coming out. This is, is the damage Donald Trump report. V, the United States, New York Times reporter Michael Schmidt. And uh, they usually will roll out a couple of little tidbits to uh, generate interest in the book. And here's one that I found noteworthy. So this is uh, based on former chief of staff of then Donald Trump, uh, John Kelly, in 2017, talking with Trump about the tense situation that was going on with North Korea. You might recall that tweets were being sent of Iron Fury and all that. That was all public. That's just character or whatever. What was going on behind closed doors? Well, Trump apparently cavalierly discussed the use of using a nuclear weapon against North Korea. That's fine, I guess. Weird part is that he said that if he took such an action, the administration could blame someone else for it to absolve itself of responsibility. That seems likely. I think that you could probably get away with filing, firing an ICBM at another continent and nobody will be looking or anything or fly a bomber over North Korea, and they won't know that it was you, and certainly no one involved in the deployment of a nuclear weapon would ever leak any of that information. Again, as weird as all of that is, and as scary that he was seriously considering nuking North Korea, which is bad enough by itself, it's right next to Russia, they might have a problem with that, right? Or China, they might have a problem with that. It's right next to our ally South Korea, which might have a problem with that. Um, also... Kelly responded by saying, it'd be tough to not have the finger pointed at us. Thank you for pointing that out, John Kelly. That's a good point. Uh, he tried to dissuade Trump from per, uh, pursuing the option by explaining the economic re repercussions of such a move. I really hope that that's not the only thing he focused on. He also brought in military leaders to explain Trump the likelihood with which war between the U.S. and North Korea would break out. That is true. I kind of feel like post-nuke wouldn't be as significant necessarily, but they could have fortified missile launchers and things like that that would survive a first strike. Here's what Schmidt says, though. Prospect of how many people could be killed had, quote, no impact on Trump. What? And I, look, I'm not going to pretend, I'm not going to be performative and pretend that I am shocked by that, but ah. I just want us to absorb that new king. He didn't care that people would die. He didn't care how many would die. In a war between us and North Korea, he doesn't care about the consequences. Brett, what do you think? This is a sociopath. Like, that's the part that should keep... That's the part that kept, you know, Sting singing, I hope the Russians love their children, too. Like, that kind of thing. Mm. Mm. The guy does not have... Is not moored... By the the reality that uh, human life matters and that we shouldn't just be nuking people all willy nilly. Now there is something to be said where if someone tells me like where if you lead with what if we nuke North Korea and someone says people will die, hopefully you already knew that when you proposed the idea. So it's not like someone's being like some people will die and he goes what wait what. At least he knows the consequences of his action, but he doesn't know like, the direct consequences of his action. But beyond like the direct consequence of like drop a nuclear bomb, people die completely oblivious to what that might imply. Yeah. I am is like on the tip of my tongue of a scenario where a dumb character in a movie does something devastating and then explains that don't worry, they won't know it was us. And I'm trying to remember what it was. I feel like the character was Ricky Gervais. But in any event, that's the former president of the United States. Who it didn't... Wait, what are you going to say? Well, it's just every horrible, like, botched murder sh uh, play, movie, um, criminal movie. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. 
It's like yeah. they'll never know it was us. It was that this is like the like okay? What we'll do is back the truck up to the gas station. We'll wrap a uh, rope around it. I'll hold the rope, and then we'll drive away. And they forget to cover their light. Like they don't realize that there are license plates yeah. that will identify your car or security yeah. cameras. It's, it's like I don't think that you would get away with that. It is insane that you would want to. It's also like the, there's it's like it seems like it was a meeting where they all right there's no bad ideas and then he started talking and they were like I misspoke. <laughs> there are bad Good ideas. Point. They're all coming from this yeah. guy. And it's and, sad and and what he's he's like there's a certain base level of understanding you of of war, the responsibility of running the military that you would hope the commander in chief of it would understand without you having to explain it to them. Yeah. This is not like, listen, maybe if we oversimplify, we can discover something fundamental as a breakthrough. But no, like, if you shoot a nuclear weapon, there's only so many countries that would be on the list of people who did it. And only yeah. your stupid supporters would be the ones who'd be like, it's a false flag operation. Yeah. 100%. Well, they, they would certainly believe it. Um. Also, uh, bear in mind, many years ago, Trump once said in an interview that he knows more. He like he looked up nukes for 45 minutes and now he knows more about nukes than anyone else in the world. I, don't, I, I think he missed a few facts when he was doing that. The anyway, sad part is there are facts about nukes he knows that no one else knows because they were top secret. Just the general like, consequence of war. No clue. Also, uh, and this is maybe the more minor thing, but Trump was baffled and annoyed that he would need congressional approval in order to conduct a nuclear preemptive strike on North Korea. But just, I just want you to bear in mind, uh, one of the fundamental asymmetries is that they think that Biden can't cut student loan debt, but he can unilaterally nuke a country. Well, you know, priorities and all that. Anyway, um, also, I just want to show the screenshot just because I thought it was fun. John Kelly, when he came in to be like the new chief of staff, um, we can go to this last graphic, 11. Uh, he thought, you know what the problem with the Trump thing is? He doesn't have the right staff. I'm going to come in and staff him up. And then he found out, oh, no, no, it's not the staff necessarily. It's that Trump is dumb and immoral and ignorant and lazy. And he wants to nuke people. Anyway, maybe he'll be, never be president again. Maybe we can all someday just look back on the days when he almost pressed the nuclear button we are not at that point yet, and he could still very well be president again. For more political news breakdowns, interviews, stories of activism, and me trying my hardest to care about the occasional big celebrity news story, subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash the damage report. And you can ring the bell wherever it is so you don't miss anything. Wouldn't it be better if a leather holster could lock? With limited carry important. options, responsible gun owners. Pretty fucked up. <sighs> right. What else is good? Nuanced conversation about COVID. Transactions. James Carville, Biden, Trump, our parties in 2024. Conversations with Bill Crystal. Ancient aliens, secret relatives, and supernatural powers. Who are the sea peoples? I want to see that. Take 
two words later. Facebook creator parable. Yeah. Resistance sealed by federal judge two days ago. I already covered that. Mysterious power three. I think I already, I'm pretty sure covered that as well. How about this Billy Billy uh, Billy Carson? How the Anunnaki became ordainers of destiny with Billy Carson on Billy Carson Forbidden Knowledge channel. Damage reports. Trump wanted to bomb nuke North Korea. Exclamation point. Hey there. How the Anunnaki became ordainers of destiny with Billy Carson? On the Billy Carson Forbidden Knowledge. It's great stuff. Great content. I meant to I meant to buy some stock in Forbidden Knowledge. He looks cool with glasses. All right, all right. That was a reprise. <laughs> What's happening, Billy Carson here, AKA Forbidden Knowledge. Thank you everyone for hopping on tonight. Yes, I have my Forbidden Knowledge hat on. Yes, I have my Forbidden Knowledge shades on as well. <laughs> From time to time, I do wear my shades. I used to wear them all the time. Some of you guys may know that I have something called synesthesia. I do have an eye condition. It's really not an eye condition. It's a cortex condition. So my audio and cerebral cortex are formed in a way where my, my visual cortex is, is uh, I guess, interlinked or combined. <clears throat> So every time I hear sounds, I see colors and numbers. And so shades, oh, the reason why people would be like, how come he's always got on shades? Well, <laughs> it's actually a medical condition. I even have a handicap sticker for it. Uh, the shades actually help me to dull out some of the input. On a day like today, when I've been totally exposed to so much activity and so much going on, <clears throat> it's actually more of a relaxing thing to actually be able to uh, have the shades on your eyes, to relax your eyes and dull out some of the input input that you guys will never be able to detect and see because you don't have synesthesia something that you're born with I'm one in 100,000 people are born with it and i am one of them I a lot of people that. have it that you probably wouldn't even know uh billy joel mary j blige Pharrell, hmm. um kanye west uh quite a few people have synesthesia that some some bigger names that you might know actually have synesthesia you'll notice that they wear excuse me <clears throat> You'll notice that they wear shades a lot. 
been talking so much today, my voice is going, guys. So you're going to have to bear with me tonight. <clears throat> I do have my water. But it's going to be a great night and a great talk tonight, all right? I appreciate you guys. Please, everybody, hit the like button. Please share this video. I'm going to go in today talking about the Anunnaki. Are they the ordainers or were they the ordainers of destinies? I'm going to talk about what that is. I'm going to read a little bit of a couple of different tablets to you as well, some verses from some of the tablets. All this has to do with manifesting. It has to do with understanding how to create your own reality. That's literally what it's all about. <clears throat> so today we're going to talk a little bit about that and touch on that. And again, please forgive me for my voice. I literally probably made, I don't know, six hours of videos uh, uh, over the last uh, couple of days. And my voice is really starting to take a little bit of a dive. All right. Um, so let's get into it. I think we got the chat filling up here. We got uh, over a thousand people in the chat right now. All right. So please, again, please share this video wherever you may see it. I think I'm broadcasting on five different platforms right now at once or maybe six. Uh, but definitely please share it. All right. <clears throat> um, so tonight we're going to even talk a little bit about the Emerald Tablets of Thoth. I'm going to be reading out of my book, Compendium of the Emerald Tablets, my best-selling book. And we're going to be talking. It's all centered around manifesting. Okay. All of this is centered around manifesting. And so we have to understand that manifesting is something that is ancient. It's not new age. You hear people say, oh, this is that new age stuff. You guys are into this new thing, manifesting. You know, you saw that movie. No, 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 no. <clears throat> Manifesting is ancient, ancient, ancient. It's super ancient. All right. So what's happening now in today's modern era is some of those ancient teachings and understandings have been brought forward in time. Luckily, they survived the test of time through verbal handed down histories, through remnants of ancient texts. <clears throat> and now today, we, what do we have? We have a situation where we can actually go back, study this, these techniques and apply them in our life. But not only can we do that, we can also understand the science behind manifestation, which is the biggest key. We can understand the science behind it now because we have now caught up to the level that we were back then in terms of understanding fundamentals of quantum physics and quantum mechanics. Those two things right there actually explain spirituality. I'm going to be talking about so much of this in my Manifest Destiny workshop. You have to come. It's a 10-hour class. It was originally going to only be eight hours, but I knew I'd do an hour overtime. But we just added another speaker, another amazing speaker. I'm just waiting for the contract to be signed. And this person is world famous. Uh, this person has, uh, uh, has consulted with many uh, very, very, what you would consider to be famous people, people in the public spotlight, has been their mentor guide through many business dealings and I mean, you know you'll know who he is i mean the guy's worldwide uh and so i'm just waiting for the contract to sign before i announce his name but we've added him also to the manifest destiny workshop we're adding another hour extra on top because he's going to need at least two two and a half hours by himself and then we have the trauma release class and then we have elizabeth going in on a mental health and how to clean out your vessel to be able to manifest and then the rest of those hours are all me so it's going to be a powerful powerful workshop uh, and, you know, kind of feeding off of what I'm going to be talking about today. I'm going to drop a link in the chat right quick for the Manifest Destiny. This is the fourth annual Manifest Destiny workshop that we've done. 
And every year it gets bigger and it gets better. And this year it's going to be mind blowing. If you want to learn how to manifest your best life, manifest things into reality, create the life that you truly desire, bring heaven to earth, <clears throat> you need to come to this, this class, this mega 10 hour class. And it's actually going to be recorded. So if you can't watch the whole thing, just typing at the same time, you will be able to, guess what? Replay it unlimited. It was two weeks ago. Over again. Pause it, stop it, play it, play it for family members, play it for friends, play it for your children because it's rated G. All right, it's rated G because we're talking about God power. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to drop it in the chat right now in the, in the comments here. Just dropped it in the chat. The link is in the chat. If you can't see the chat, just go to eventbrite.com or the caption of this video <laughs> should have the um, actual link in it as well once this video is done. All right. <clears throat> so, talking about manifesting, when you look into the ancient cuneiform Sumerian tablets, you start seeing something very interesting. You start seeing that these beings that the Sumerians called the Anunnaki, and yes, that's a real name. You can find that name in the Enuma Elish and the Seven Tablets of Creation, a roughly almost 8,000-year-old text that was deciphered in the 1800s, long, long time ago. This is well-known, well-vetted, peer-reviewed information that has made it into even anthropology class. Stop using your own money to pay for your health needs. I wrote this down to make it clear that any yeah, American in anthropology classes in Shut universities. So again, this is not off the dome makeup stuff. Like you know, I always come with the receipts. Anybody can find this out. Everybody needs to hear. I give you the information that most people just don't know the questions to ask, and they don't know where to look. But guess what, guys? I know where to look. I know what questions to ask. Look into it. You find these Anunnaki beings. And you find that these Anunnaki beings, which really were the Atlanteans, they're mentioned in texts all over the world. They're the Anak in the Bible. You know, they were we were grasshoppers in their eyesight. These were big men. They were called men of renown. Uh, you know, these these people were known around the entire planet. They were the pantheon to the Greeks, but the original Sumerian pantheon prior to the Great Flood originated out of Mesopotamia. After the flood, it re they reset themselves in the land of Kim. And then you had them, they became the Nitiru, right? The gods that came from heaven to earth and turned mud into a kingdom. These people went to Cambodia and built Angkor Wat. They went and built Teotihuacan in, Meso in, in Mesoamerica. They developed civilizations all over the entire planet, these people. Now, what was interesting is, and what was actually great, is that they had a lot of text left behind about them. And there were scribes that would write scribes of these gods. They called them gods, but they weren't gods with a capital G. They were gods with a lowercase g. Some of them, unfortunately, masqueraded as gods because, I mean, hey, they come to a planet. There's people here. People see that they have technology and advanced knowledge. And right away, what do they do? They bow. Oh, this must be God. It's called a cargo cult. We know that because we've seen cargo cults before on this planet. When uh, the U.S. military went to the uh, Bikini Atoll and those islands out there in the South Pacific to do nuclear missile testing, what did they do? They arrived and at the shore of some uh, some islands where there were natives, natives that had never seen, yet not even a white man, yet alone any other man other than themselves. And all of a sudden, they've got airplanes, they've got uh, they've got uh, tanks, they've got these boats. 
that run with power, they come on, on shore with all these canisters and, and, and luggage and everything else and these gigantic steel suitcases with, with supplies on the inside. And they started giving this stuff, some of this stuff, to these natives, clothing and shoes, trying to make them feel good because they was about to blow their whole island up, basically, trying to make them feel good. We're going to have to redirect you guys because we're going to tear this whole place up with this nuclear test. And you know, we're going to give you some trinkets and give you a little bit of food some candy bars and then we're going to kick you off your home that's basically what happened but long story short when they saw these soldiers they began to worship them instantaneously after the soldiers left and all the testing was done still to this very day in some of those islands there are cargo cults dedicated to the gods that came from the sky with the cans of spam and and, and chocolate bars they even tattooed USA on their chest. I did a whole lecture on this, a three-hour lecture. It's available on Forbidden Knowledge TV with the pictures of these natives. They tattooed USA on their chest. They took reeds and sticks from the bushes and made them into... Cans of Spam and... Chocolate bars. would look like uh you know uh, semi-automatic guns and rifles even took trees and reeds and branches and built themselves look like airplanes with the with the landing gear and everything and they were prey to the landing gear and, and looked to the sky for hours on end waiting for the sky gods to return with more cans of spam and, <laughs> and, and chocolate bars and stuff and some food and some clothes cargo cult now let's take a trip back in time these same people, very you know, these Anunnaki people arrive same way. They come with uh, to create a breakaway civilization according to the ancient tablets, not according to Billy Carson. According to the ancient tablets, they came here to create a breakaway civilization, and in doing so, they in interacted with an existing hominid who was our cousin, human beings' cousins, not Homo sapien yet, but Homo sapien, Homo something, definitely Erectus, and. Um, and engage them. And at that time, of course, we thought they were gods. Why? Because they had advanced technology. They had things that look magical to us. And a more advanced civilization runs into a less advanced civilization. The less advanced civilization uh, deifies the more advanced civilization. That's just the way it goes. And so we deified them and, you know, we, we, uh, we became their slaves without, without knowing we were their slaves. Know? And so that's what happened. What was interesting when you read these tablets, they had these scribes, scribes that would write down all the information that these gods wanted to leave behind in stone, because stone was very hard to, uh, you know, to decay. Parchment paper and, and and papyrus, things like that. You know, over time, it decayed very easily. Stone, you know, the worst that can happen is it starts to crack and break, or you drop one and it breaks. For the most part. Long term, the majority of these tablets, which we now have millions of them, have been discovered. Millions, not a couple hundred, 
not a few thousand tablets, millions of tablets have been discovered. And they left behind a, a great record of what may have happened in the ancient past. So one of the things that they talk about these ancient sky gods from the ancient past is they talk about having the capability of being ordainers of destiny. Okay, that's what they call themselves, the ordainers of destiny. And what does that mean? When you start to analyze these tablets in this text, you begin to realize that these beings were talking about creating realities on this planet. We're talking about creating realities, creating paradigms, and also creating future outcomes based on what they themselves wanted to see roll out or unfold on this planet. That's pretty interesting because that's manifesting. Now, they were talking about doing these things as if they were already going to be done. That's pretty powerful. In other words, their plans in their mind were so powerful and their vision was so powerful they can actually see the multiple opportunities or situations that would occur and then they collapse the one that they specifically wanted into reality and they de would decree it and then they would ordain it as being so. That's powerful. Now, I won't disagree with you that a lot of these beings were pretty uh, male malevolent. In other words, they were, they were pretty evil people, most of them. Not all of them, but most of them. Why were they evil? Well, because they masqueraded as gods. They uh, abused, um, you know, our freedoms. They enslaved us without making us think we were slaves. Uh, and they, uh, you know, they, to me, in my personal opinion, it was just a lot of mental and physical abuse, especially when you read the tablets about what Enlil did to human beings, killing off 100,000 here, 100,000 there, you know, dry the crops out. Too many people making too much noise. They're clamoring too much. Just kill them off. Yeah, we were treated as cattle. And so I, 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 I do I, I agree that a lot of these beings were not uh, not the nicest of people. Some of them had a kind heart and showed empathy like uh, Enki um, and uh, and Thoth, the Atlantean priest king in Africa. You know him as Tehuti, Jehuti, Tehuti. In Mesoamerica, he's known as Lord Pakal, Kukulkan, Veracocha, uh, you know, and these other names. Uh, he's known as Negazita in uh, in Sumeria, uh, and there's several others as well that really did find a heart, have a heart for human beings, and felt guilty as to some of the things that they that they colluded with against people. But the ones that were pretty hardcore and evil, like there is an invisible liver killer that could be severely damaging your liver right now. Because if you notice, your digestion isn't working right. If you have headaches, if you have blood sugar yeah. concerns. That were pretty hardcore and evil, like Marduk, a.k.a. Amin-Ra, and a few others. They really understood the power of manifestation and the reality that they wanted to create on this planet. And they would make decrees into those realities. They even had something called a crystal tablet that they would look into. Sounds a lot like a phone or a, a, a iPad or whatever you call it, right? <laughs> but they had a crystal tablet. On this crystal tablet, they would see the future outcomes. This is in Sumerian tablets. They would see the future outcomes on this crystal tablet. And then 
based on the future outcomes that were there, depending on who was ruling or who was trying to manifest this particular reality that they wanted, they would actually then pick one of these realities. Now, let me break this down for you. In quantum mechanics and quantum physics, everything exists. All realities exist in superposition of each other. Superposition. Look that up when you get some time. This quantum physics and quantum mechanics. What does that mean? That means that any future reality that could possibly exist does exist. In other words, in some future realities right now in this exact moment, I'm not sitting at this desk talking to you. I'm outside eating dinner at the kitchen or in the, or in the dining room, or I'm taking a walk in the neighborhood, or I'm in the gym working out, or I'm playing basketball, or I'm on a trip to another country. I could be on a spaceship to another planet. There's unlimited potential future outcomes. So they had the concept of the quantum field. And then now, what do you do? They knew how to use conscious thought backed by action to collapse the quantum field into one particular reality, the one that they wanted to see. Pretty interesting. Let me read this one tablet, some of this tablet to you. This is pretty interesting stuff. Give you an idea of what I'm talking about. Let's see here. Pretty interesting stuff. Okay, here's a tablet from ancient Mesopotamia, tablet one, they planned a city, they planned it, the gods, we're talking about the Anunnaki when you hear the word gods, by the way, let me stop right there, in the Bible, everywhere you see the word God, singular, G-O-D, is a mistranslation, and you go to the ancient text, and that was translated from, to become the words in the Bible, there's the word God, the word singular God. It actually, in past, in the past, it was actually gods with an S, plural. It took off the S to give you the concept or, or the idea of monotheism. Okay? But that's a whole other podcast. Gods laid its foundations. They planned the city, Kish. Kish is where the black people were. Ejiji founded its brickwork. The Ejiji were the working class Anunnaki. You had the Anunnaki pantheon that were here. And then underneath them, they had these working class people who had volunteered to help do the work in this breakaway civilization. And the purpose and the reason for that was to have a fresh start, a new opportunity on a new, on a new planet, a new life, so to speak, that they would build for themselves. It's like if we were here, leave here and go to Mars and be part of a new civilization, we would have to go there you're only going to handpick people that could contribute something to the civilization or the society. These Ejiji were the working class people, according to these tablets. Let it be there, people, let it be there that the people shepherd. Let Etta, I'm sorry, let Etana be their architect. The great Anunnaki gods, ordainers of destinies, sat talking their counsel concerning the land creators of the four world religions establishers of all physical form by command of all of them the Ejiji gods ordained a festival for the people no king did they establish over the over the teeming peoples at that time no headdress had been assembled nor crown so they're talking about this is a time even before they had established kings on earth to rule over people this is why they don't no want throne to throne daisies whatsoever had been constructed against the inhabitant world 
They barred the gates. The Ijiji guard surrounded the city with ramparts. Ishtar came down from heaven to seek a shepherd. Ishtar came down from heaven. He came down from space. Ishtar is what Easter is all about. She is the goddess of Easter. It's really all about Ishtar, translated her name now from back then to the future, from Ishtar to Easter. It's really Ishtar. It's a Sumerian or Babylonian um, tradition. Came down from heaven to speak with a shepherd and sought for a king everywhere. Mina came down from heaven to seek a shepherd and sought for a king everywhere. And Lila examined the days of Etana, a man whom Ishtar steadfastly and uh, the, some pieces of that tablet is missing, that she consistently sought the king in the radiant throne. And then it goes on to talk about that Enlil showed his sister a crystal tablet. And on this crystal tablet, a city that he had built, he will build. And this city and this construction technique will last for all time on this planet. This guy is talking about planning, not for, understand the mindset, planning not for next week, planning not for next month, planning not for next year or the next 10 years. He's planning for all time. So what I was trying to tell you before, some of these guys weren't the greatest people, and Lil definitely was not one of the greatest people, obviously, within this pantheon. However, you can learn something from what they're talking about here. What can you take from this? What can you glean from this? They walked in their own true power. They understood the power that was inside of them. It doesn't make them right with what they did on this planet, but what it does do, it can teach us a lesson on how to create our own reality, how to walk in our power. Because according to the, another tablet called the Myth of Adapa, Human beings, according to them, according to these sky gods, were created even more intelligent and higher than them. We had just not tapped into it yet. At a time in the future, we will realize our true power. That time is right now. Walk in your true power as who you really and truly are. That part made it into the Bible as the angels were jealous of the humans because the humans were created higher than them. That's where it came from, the myth of Adapa. Read that ancient tablet. Almost word for word, they copied it right into the biblical text. The point I'm making here is this guy and his people are ordaining realities. In other words, they understand the power. They're commanding specific things to be outcome, have an outcome on this planet that they want to see. And then the plan that this guy makes, he plans for all time. Let me tell you something. When I read that, I had to sit back in my chair for a minute. I had to meditate on that. The average person will read across that and glance and skim across that and keep on going. I had to stop because, you see, I understood the power. <laughs> I understood the power and what was just told to me. The power is this. When you are living out here in this financial matrix, for example, this is just one example, you get a paycheck, whether you're getting paid on a contract, whether you're getting paid on a paycheck from an employee, employer, or, or, or whether you uh, you provide services and you get paid randomly or whatever. You're getting money on a, on a, a specific schedule, time scale. Most people are planning for what they're going to do with that check when it comes in. Oh, I got to pay this. I got to pay this. I got to pay this. I'm going to take this little bit and save it here. And this is going to And then I'm going to spend. I got to buy some clothes and I got to do this. 
We are living paycheck to paycheck on this planet. The majority of people on this planet are living paycheck to paycheck. Some benefited to be able to live maybe uh, paycheck to every three or four paychecks. Very few can go six months and very, very, very few can go a year without earning any income, right? One time I went almost seven years without making any money. But that's rare. The thing I'm, the point I'm making is I was working on a plan for the end of that seven year where I was taking, I took that seven years off. I was making my plans for what I was going to, what I was going to do to jump back into the, into the world of, of the financial matrix to make money again. This guy planned for all time. You see what I'm saying? So what it's telling you is we have to think bigger. This is why this workshop is going to be so important. I'm going to drop the link in the chat again right now. Because I'm going to teach you how to plan for all time. That literally shifted my thought process. It shifted. It was a paradigm shift for me. You may not can see it here right now on this board, but where I'm pointing to it, it says legacy. It's almost in every video that I have. I have this legacy image behind me. I look at the legacy image every single day with the infinity symbol on it because I understand that what I learned from this dude who I do mean a dude, wasn't no God, didn't create anything. It's a masquerader, but he had, he understood his own power. He said he created this, he's created this plan, these plans for all time. And they still have persisted till this day. That was 8,000 years ago when he said that. Guess what? His diagram, his floor plan for construction for cities is still persisting till this very current day. His plan that he put in place 8,000 years ago, he installed a bicameral Congress in Mesopotamia, which went around the entire world, and it's the same exact political system we operate under today in the United States. His plumbing system. With the prize VIP card, save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump for the win. Operate under today in the United mm. States. His plumbing system that he created is the same plumbing system that we're living under and operating for right now. All these things that this guy did, all these, the education system he created, the fiat currency he created. He created fiat currency and inflation <laughs> 8,000 years ago. So what's happening here? We're seeing somebody who understood exactly what they wanted to do and he planned for all time. And his plan is still in operation until this very moment. We're talking about eons have gone by and it's still here. I took that information. I took what he did. How can I utilize that in my, that concept of thinking, the way of thinking for planning in my life? So I started researching long-term plans. I found a few corporations that were thinking like Enlil, Mitsubishi, have a 300-year business plan. <laughs> have a 300-year business plan. Hmm. 300. Not planning for uh, you know, five-year plan. Most people make a business plan five years. If I, I got a five-year business plan. That's what I, I used to make a five-year business plan, right? Make a five-year business plan. No. This guy has, uh, Mitsubishi has a 300-year, and a few other corporations I found had 500-year plans. So their corporation, what they're saying is our corporations are going to stand the test of time, number one. They've already ordained their corporation will not go down regardless of economical conditions, regardless of political situations, regardless, regardless of religious situations on the planet, regardless of, regardless of wars. There's nothing that's going to take down our company. Regardless of who's 
coming in out of the company and uh, coming in the company and coming out of the company, leaving the company. No matter what, this company will will sustain and persist. And here's our 500 year business plan. Thinking into the future, creating future realities with conscious thought, getting more futuristic every year that goes by, but still being in this exact year and time. You can take a lot from this type of thinking. Imagine sitting back and creating a plan for all time. And people say, well, why do I need a plan for all time? I'm only going to live to 80 or whatever. Well, plan isn't for you. See, legacy. I'm not planning for me. I'm planning for future generations. One of the biggest downfalls and pitfalls in the minority communities is zero planning. Mm. And I mean absolutely zero planning. None. Not even for death. Not even for death. Both of my parents are dead. Both of my parents are long gone. I love them to death, but I got nothing. Zero. I had nothing before they died, and I had even less after they died because I, they had debts. This is a major situation in minority and impoverished communities. There's no planning whatsoever. At what point we begin to say, enough is enough. I'm going to draw a line in the sand. This generational curse stops with me. See, the problem that we have is too many people are thinking only about themselves. Oh, well, this, is all, this is all I need to live on because if I, if I can just make this, I can get by until I die and I'll be happy. Meanwhile, you set nothing up for your future generations. You don't have a will, a trust, a testament. Nobody knows anything what's going on, who's going to get what or anything. Nobody has your... Uh, uh, no the key, uh, uh, an attorney that should have a key or access to any a safe that has your passwords to your crypto or your accounts yeah, or anything don't like have that. Enough money for all that. There's no trust to have the money set to, but the family has one central location. And the money is divvied up and sent out from there. This is all the stuff I'm going to talk about in my manifest destiny workshop. You have to begin to make plans for all time if you want to truly manifest your own reality. How about manifesting a plan for all time? This is something that needs to be done. Understanding and becoming what they were, ordainers of destiny. Wouldn't you like to know that you already can control and be a part of a joint part in your own destiny? And I mean that. This is one of the main hermetic principles. You understand the law of cause and effect. All are co-creators in our reality. They'll tell you that you have no power over your reality. They will tell you that you have no control over your reality. They will tell you that just give up and set in. It's just destiny. Your destiny's already been laid out before you were born. Let me tell you something. That's bull crap. Because I can show you right now in a very simple example, my destiny is not laid out in advance. Because I have a choice. I'm going to give you this simple kooky and corny example, but I'm going to give it to you right now. On my desk, on my left hand, there's a cell phone. By my right hand, there's a glass of water. At any given time, I can decide to pick up the cup, glass of water, or I can pick up the cell phone. Destiny means I don't have a choice. 
Guess what? I'm sitting here and I actually have a choice. I can pick up the cell phone. I just fulfilled my own prophecy. I thought about what I was going to pick up. Now I picked it up. I fulfilled my own prophecy. Self-fulfilled <laughs> prophecy. Oh, my God, I'm going to pick up the water now. I got the water in my hand. Guess what? I don't have to pick up either one. I can get up and walk out of this room and leave you guys hanging on the video. Right, what happened to forbidden? He left. Here's the situation with that. Every decision you make will have a consequence, whether it's a good consequence or a bad consequence. A good consequence will be if I stay here, I can spread knowledge and wisdom and somebody, if there's only two or three people, can get something out of what I'm saying tonight. That's the, that's the consequence of me sitting here tonight speaking to you. If I get up and leave this room and leave you guys hanging, the consequence is going to be like, you guys, man, this guy just walked out on us and left us hanging on this guy. I'm, I'm going to unfollow this guy. Who does he think he is? <laughs> consequence is negativity. Right? If I make a conscious decision that I'm going to pick this cell phone up, the consequence is that this phone now is in my hand. We have choices. I can also turn this phone on and I can make a phone call while I'm on this live video. The consequence is you guys will be going, what the hell is he doing? How come he's on his cell phone? <laughs> These are simple examples. I'm trying to make it as simple and as understandable as possible. Cause and effect. Every decision you make is going to have a consequence, whether it's a good consequence or a bad consequence. Every thought you make back by action is going to have an, uh, uh, an actual consequence. And so if you sit back, oh man, I'm, I'm doing good for myself, man. I, these, I, could, I could pay my light bill and my car, and I can get to work back and forth. And, you know, I know I got two or three uh, kids and, and two grandchildren out there, but, you know, the hell with them. They got to do it on their own. So, and you can think like that if you want to. It's up to you. Nobody's going to judge you. What I'm saying is when do we draw a line in the sand and say, let me make a conscious decision back by action to build a legacy. Let me set up a legacy for future generations. Let's make the playing field even. Because for so long, it's been like this. When are we going to come and start at an even pace? I started underneath the gutter. I literally started not in the gutter. Under My neighbors, my ghetto, were, had more money than me. And we were all poor. I had nothing. Two pairs of pants, holes in my shoes. Trying not to get beat up in school. Bleaching my pants and dyeing them different colors. And people thought I had different color pairs of pants so I wouldn't get attacked in school. I had one shirt with the alligator on it, the little Koi Sportif. I would unstitch the alligator and restitch the other shirts that I got from Zares. Out of, it's, it's an out-of-business department store. It was, it was even cheaper than, than Wall, uh, Kmart, and that's out of business now, too. I remember the last pair of sneakers my mom bought me before I could start buying my own sneakers. She had to buy me a $5 pair of McGregor football cleats. The rubber cleats on the bottom. Can you imagine going to school? And I'm not talking about elementary. I'm talking about ninth grade. Can you imagine walking into your ninth grade class with football cleats on as your main shoes? Going to basketball practice with football cleats on? Can you imagine that? Come on now. We got to put an end to this. I love my parents. They did the best they could with what they knew. They had no financial literacy. They had no understanding of, how, of the power that they had inside of them. They had no understanding or, or concept or idea of their actions and how it would play out in future realities. They had no idea how to collapse the reality that they wanted. They just went along with whatever the system gave them, and they did the best they could with the knowledge, the knowledge that they had. Those days are over. 
Those days are over. And I can say I'm talking to the majority because the majority of people out here may not be completely broken destitute, but I tell you what, there's a lot more people that don't have a million dollars than that do. I'm still talking to the majority. When are we going to start working on this legacy? When are we going to start realizing let's make plans for the future, for all time? I'm not thinking about no, I, right now I have four grandchildren, right? I got four grandchildren right now. I got a six-year-old granddaughter, a five-year-old grandson, another grandson that's two, and another granddaughter right now that's uh, about seven months. My oldest daughter, who's now 31, going on 32 in September, is pregnant again and about to have a baby girl. All right, so she, now I'm going to have five grandchildren. And I can sit back and be like, you know, I did my job. I raised my kids. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm doing good. I'm living good. Uh, you know, uh, I'm, uh, hey, it's on them now. They got to take care of this planet. Whatever that happens on the planet is up to them on the planet. Whatever happens with their kids and their finances, it's all up to them. See the mindset that the majority of people have that mindset. My mindset is, how can I secure a future for my generations? How can I teach them? To create to be a part of my plan that I've created and make it last for all time. How do I how do I inject longevity into that plan? I'll give you a couple of tidbits that I'm gonna teach my manifest destiny workshop. Number one, you've got to have a will and a testament and inside of a trust. That's number one. I'm gonna teach you how to do that and how to set it up step by step. Number two, don't just leave money to people, especially people that don't have any financial means or financial literacy. Don't just leave your legacy behind for people to just pump on and take their cut and run away with it because it'll be gone and it won't be anything for all time. So you want to know where to invest $1,000 right now? Well, forget about stocks, real estate, or cryptocurrency. There is a little known mm -hmm. and it won't be anything for all time. You see, I studied these people, these Anunnaki people. That plan that he made, he followed through with a whole four or five more tablets of information. All planned, everything planned, laid out step by step by step by step. But what did that tell me? I have to do the same thing. If I want this legacy to last, I have to make plans. So I have financial literacy classes that my family has to attend. If they don't attend them, they're cut out of the will. They don't get anything. If you don't know how to manage money, you're not allowed to touch any of it. See, if your credit is below a specific credit score, you don't get your money yet. It'll be there waiting on you, but you got to get your credit up. I'm not about to have anybody take the money and blow it. <laughs> if you don't have a job or your own company in business for at least one year before something happens to me and just got to get paid out, you don't get it yet. It'll be waiting for you. <laughs> Let another year go by. Come back with your proof that you were open for a year. Let me see your returns and everything else go to the attorney and then you'll get your cut you can't be living on somebody's couch <laughs> if your name ain't on no paperwork Come back when you get something. When you establish yourself, you got your living. You can take care of yourself. Come back; it'll be waiting on you. 
just a small part of the list. Every quarter, you better show up to these financial literacy classes. You get nothing. Grandkids, you're in there, you're in the policy. Guess what? You get some of it when you turn 18, not all of it. Then you got to go by the same guidelines that everyone else is. The classes and the courses will be left behind for you to follow through. The tests will be left behind for you to follow through. The requirements will be left behind for you to follow through. When you turn 21, if you meet them, requirements, you get a little bit more. You can't give a lot of money to a 21, an 18 and 21 year old. You already know what's going to happen to it. Turn 25, you, fought, you, you meet the requirements, you get the rest. There's stages to this. I'm going to teach you how to set your future generations up the right way and how to manifest a true reality that's going to last for all time. Not you pass away or something happens to you, God forbid, and everything just collapses, turns all turn to dust in five minutes. Everybody for the future generation, everybody's struggling. Broke, poor. They see your picture on the mantle and they just say, oh, that's so-and-so. When they see my picture, they're going to say, oh, that's so-and-so great, great, great uh, grandpa. And guess what? He's he the reason why we're living like this. He set this whole thing up. He made a plan for all time. He made a plan for all time. That's what they're going to say about me. They're not going to say, oh, that's just so-and-so grandpa, so-and-so dad of so-and-so. They're going to they're going to look all they're going to when they get to my picture, they're going to stop. They're going to wait a minute. Let me show you. Let me tell you about this guy right here. What he did. He's the reason why we're living like this right now. Because he built a legacy. He didn't just build a legacy. He built a plan for all time. This is what it's all about, guys. It's all about understanding the true power that we have and control over our life. By making conscious decisions backed by action and thought, and knowing what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. The average person just doesn't know. I would drop the link in the comment box again. You have to come to my Manifest Destiny workshop if you want to find a way to change your life and get to the next level. If you're already a millionaire, I'll take you to the level above that. I'm on my way to becoming a billionaire right now. You don't believe it? Look me up. It's all public record. Because all my finances are registered with the SEC. I'm not playing games out here on the streets. I'm working on this nonstop. All I work on is legacy. If you focus on building your legacy, your abundance is guaranteed. You don't have to worry about where's my money going to come from for a light bill and a mortgage payment and a car payment and a tuition bill and all this. That's the last thing on my mind. Why? Because I'm focused on this. My daily abundance is automatically guaranteed. I'm going to teach you my, my techniques and my methods, how I plan, how I strategize, how I create my reality, how I manifest my reality the way that I want it. And it's not just in finance. I used to struggle in relationships. <clears throat> I've now manifested what I want there, too. I said, you know what? And I've mastered the financial matrix. I've mastered the education matrix. I've mastered all these other business matrices. Like, man, why ain't I putting this same stuff to work in my own relationship? And so then I began to work and focus on creating and masterminding a relationship that I truly and really did want. And I made a plan for that for all time. And I'm doing that too. It's all about understanding what questions to ask yourself 
and how to seek the answers to those questions. I'm going to help you find those. I'm going to give you a, a very, very detailed PDF file that you're going to have to fill out when you come to my Manifest Destiny workshop. And this file is going to force you to ask yourself some really, really tough questions. It's going to force you to ask yourself some really, really tough questions. You're going to have to be honest with yourself. But I guarantee you this, when you get to the end of that the 10 hour class, most likely going to be 10 because we had to add an extra speaker. You're going to feel rejuvenated. You're going to feel enlightened. You're going to be going back and watching it over and over again. You're going to pause it and rewind it and get information and extract information and download it from that video. That's just going to allow you to change not only your life, but future generations. Because this Manifest Destiny class, for me, is going to set the standard for all time. Period. Period. Let me read from the Emerald Tablets a little bit to you guys. This is my book, Compendium of the Emerald Tablets. It's been a bestseller in five countries for four years. Now, let me tell you something about this book first. Some of you on here probably have the original version of this book, which was volume one, which came with a light brown cover and Thoth was still on the front. But the book uh, was about 400, and, I think it was 444 pages. That's right, 444. This book is now 238 pages with the same amount of information in it. When I was uh, done with the first version of the book, I went to this huge lecture out in SETI in Washington State. That was a seven-day retreat where I was speaking out there. I was speaking on the Hermetic Principles out there with Jimmy Church from Jimmy Church Radio. We did a, a whole thing together out there. Every day, we would have a line of people coming up to buy my books, and I would autograph them on the spot. Every time I would sign my book, this is the first week the book came out, I would sign the book and say, this is going to be a bestseller and hand in the book. This is going to be a bestseller and hand in the book. I must have said it over 150 times. <laughs> handing out over 150 books. I think I had 300 books for that whole trip. They all sold out. At right around the 150th book or so, a woman walks up to me. She says, my name is Laura, Laura Cantu. And I want to know if you, if your ego is not too strong, I have a couple of suggestions about your book. I said, Miss Laura, my ego is not strong. If you have any suggestions that can help me make this book better or something you saw that I need to correct, I'm game to listen. She said, okay, meet me over there. There was a building over there tomorrow at next time. It was like right after lunch. I met with her. She says, I'm a, I own a publishing company, a book publishing company called Winter Wolf Publishing. And I read the whole book. And I want to tell you that there's some things in here that I see that need to be changed. Your science articles, are, your science portions are too complex for the average person. You're going to lose some people. The book is so big, it's intimidating. The cover doesn't look that good. You're not catching any eyes with it. He says, but I think this book should be a bestseller. And if you allow me to, I'd like to work with you to alter this book into a way that could make it a bestseller. He said, if you feel that this book can be a bestseller, I said, I already know it's going to be a bestseller because I've been telling everybody. She says, she laughed and said, yeah, I know. You've been telling everybody it's going to be a bestseller. I said, let's go to work then. We went to work, rewriting the science portions to make it more understandable. She came up with a brand new cover, a 
okay? Companion with the Animal Tablets, and she wrote underneath A Beginner's Guide, which is my subtitle, A Beginner's Guide, to simplify it for the average person. We took some of the larger images and shrunk them down. Long story short, we got the book down, half the size, same amount of information, more potent, more understandable. The book became a bestseller instant. If you can lock that Billy in Carson. and you can work that, you can download what I'm teaching you. the Anunnaki you became the ordainers of history. You can begin to implement that in your life. I don't think you can imagine the immensity, the enormity of what's going to actually happen in your family life and your for generations. It's a paradigm shift. It's a paradigm shift. When you become a person that plans for all time, it doesn't mean you don't stop and smell the roses. I smell all the roses along the way. You're making the most of everything. You're living in the moment of now, but you're also focused on deep, deep, deep into the future. Subconscious thought. It doesn't mean that you're obsessed with it either. I'm going to teach you how to time travel with your mind. It's a form of remote viewing. You're literally in my class going to have an opportunity for my guided talk to a specific type of remote view. And you're going to look into different realities that exist in real time. You're going to pull in a specific reality. I'm going to talk you through this and, and teach you this. Where did I get my experience in doing that from? Well, took several classes directly with Major Ed Dames, Project Stargate. Look it up. Project Stargate. He was uh, one of the leaders, the teachers of the remote viewing program for the U.S. military and the Pentagon. About maybe seven years ago, he started doing private classes. He hasn't done one in about three and a half years now. But I took after pictures with him, which have been on Instagram and Facebook. I took his private classes. Why did I do that? Because I want to know how to be more in control of what's happening in my life and see the potential future outcomes that are out there so I can make conscious decisions now. When you operate within this type of mindset, what you do is you time travel. People say, well, what do you do for a living? Well, I create conscious thoughts that travel into the future and alter future realities in the third dimension. That's what I do. Just by you watching this live video, I'm changing your future trajectory right now. I've altered your future. I've altered your future right now by you listening to my voice. My cybernetic frequencies going into this microphone and being converted into zeros and ones, going down the cable into a switchboard, which then gets sent to a digital cable to a, a, a cell phone tower, which then transmits to a satellite, zeros and ones. It comes down in the region wherever you live on this planet. Comes up the pipeline, completely decodes the zeros and ones into an audio file. And then what happens? The atmosphere around you picks up the cymatic frequency that came out of my voice. And it floats into your ear. It rides a wave of, of, of atmosphere gases into your ear. The cochlea inside of your ear decodes the information that I spoke through this microphone. And now your brain has been altered forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works. That's how it works. Now imagine having the full oath, understanding all of it, and being able to, at will, enforce and utilize the power of your own conscious thought and the power inside of you to invoke the future that you want, not only for yourself, but for your future generations as well. That's what I'm going to be teaching in the Manifest Destiny Workshop. I'll be talking.
a powerful, powerful day. I'd love for you guys to be a part of that. Drop the link in the chat again. I'm running a little bit over because I have to uh, I have to get off this thing here very soon. I gotta go make another video. But I, I'm glad you guys hopped on tonight. Thank you for spending some time. Thank you for all the donations. But I have anyone who uh, put a donation up, if I missed you from tagging you onto the screen, I apologize. I was trying to get in the zone there. Guys, I'm telling you right now, there's going to be a lot of amazing teaching going on on the 29th of January. I'm going to help you not only kickstart January, I'm going to kickstart 2023, but kickstart all time. This is going to be a big one. This is going to be one of the biggest and the best Manifest Destiny workshops I've ever done. It's my fourth year in a row. I'm really looking forward to this. It's going to be magnificent. I want to see everyone there. I'll drop the link in the comment box one more time. See somebody keeps commenting about Michael Sala. Let me take a look at this right quick. This is an interview with Michael Sala about the Anunnaki. Okay, I'll, I'll see if I can contact Mike to talk to him. Uh, I'll take I'll definitely see. Thanks for all the great comments in the uh, in the chat. Talk to Mama Heart. Appreciate you. Everyone else, I appreciate all you guys' support, all the love you guys have given me over the years. Uh, this account has grown so much. This uh, my YouTube, my podcast platform, this is part of my podcast platform, has grown so much, it's growing very rapidly, we're about to hit 300,000 subscribers probably within the next couple of weeks, that's why I appreciate every single one of you guys, thank you so much, I love all of you, I appreciate every single one of you, and uh, I'll catch you guys later, I gotta go and work on another project right now, i get on another video, but I'll be back on here again, the link to this important, important workshop in the comments multiple times, and I'm going to make sure it's in the caption of this video or this podcast, wherever you're listening, it's something you don't want to miss. You just don't want to miss it, all right? Hey, thanks again, guys. I love y'all. I appreciate y'all, and I'll see you later. The pepperoni marinara is being toasted baguette is sliced a little thicker to hold more flavor. So when fresh mozzarella melts over it, that detail will Hi. be big. Try the new toasted baguettes from Panera. One dollar <laughs> delivery fee on our app. One dollar delivery fee. Are you gonna fucking send it over on a drone? <laughs> anyway, yeah, that was uh, Billy Carson on the Billy Carson Forbidden Knowledge for the number forbidden. So go check, go follow him. I'm, I've been covering. I love his uh, origins of religion. I covered that just a couple days ago. Forbidden rants. Oh. Didn't I think I already covered this, but forbidden rants. What's up? What's up? Welcome back, everyone. I see the chat room filling up already. Fantastic. Billy Carson here. Of course, I gotta do the do the, the you know the salute. Forbidden knowledge. All right, welcome back everyone tonight. We're going to go in on part two of the origins of religion. And I'm going to kind of go into the next area that I was kind of really alluding to last week. Um, but, uh, you know, an hour is a very short period of time. I mean, some of these topics you can talk about for 15, 20, 30 hours, obviously, because there's so much information and so much content and so many questions. And so it's, it's something that could last for a long time. I see everybody filling up the chat here, uh, Cleveland, Ohio, Florida. I see you guys here from all over Seattle. Wow, amazing. Maryland, 
All right. I appreciate every single one of y'all. Thank you for coming in and tuning in tonight. If you can, please click the like button on this video to help me get better engagement. And also, um, if you can, if you can share this video, that would be fantastic. You make sure the audio is doing good here. And uh, New York, Kentucky, Bronx, New York, the Boogie Down Bronx, Northwest Arkansas, South Carolina. Wow, Palestine. Wow, Palestine in the house. Free Palestine. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Oklahoma City, Reggie from Washington. All right, man. Listen, I appreciate y'all. Michigan in the house. A lot of great uh, people here. Cleveland, 216. What's up, mad dog? All right. Anyway, we got a full house tonight. Thank you, Jeff Schultz, for the uh, for the uh, donation. I missed it there. We got Philly in the house. We have, as you guys know, all the donations go to help underprivileged children, uh, single parents. We just gave away so much stuff for Christmas uh, over the holiday season. I think it was 580 gifts that were wrapped and sent out. Um, we did. Uh, uh, I mean, we did the book drive for the um, for the inmates uh, out of my pocket alone. That was almost eighteen hundred dollars in shipping fees because I paid for all the shipping on all the books that you guys sent to send out to the inmates. We only had about 11 books come back that weren't deliverable so far. So we're looking for a workaround. <coughs> we're looking for sorry about that cough. We're looking for a workaround for the uh, undeliverables. But it was a great, great push, and a lot of people, almost 200 inmates got books. And we still have some more books that came in late past the time that we shipped them out. So we're going to do another book drive with those other books. Some will go to children, and some will go to inmates. We'll figure out how we're going to mix that up. We probably have another, <clears throat> I don't know, another probably 200 books showed up after we shipped out all those books, which is great because now we have something that we can do and we can use those books for, all right? So that's going to be phenomenal. <clears throat> All right. So last week we talked about uh, religion, the origins of religion, and I touched on a lot of different topics and some. That's beautiful that he well. does that. I talked about the cargo cults. If you haven't seen that video, you need to go back and watch it. I talked about the cargo cults, <clears throat> how when a more advanced civilization meets a less advanced civilization. The lesser advanced civilization deifies that more advanced civilization automatically. They just they just automatically assume that they're because gods. of the worship right? that's, gene. That's kind of how it really works, um, and it's been like that for millennia, for eons. <laughs> this is not nothing. nothing it's nothing new. They've it's typically what happens in any society. They made us. <clears> and I mean any society during any era. <laughs> if you look back at history, you'll find that this has happened literally dozens and dozens of times. And even in this era that we are in now, you would think that, oh, we're so technologically advanced and we've got all this knowledge and wisdom and blah, 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 and we wouldn't be fooled. But there are people on this planet, you got to remember 85% of the world is very religious. And so there's people on this planet that would still fall for it if another advanced civilization came and visited us today, right now, they would automatically deify them or let's say one person only showed up. Right? that person would be deified instantaneously <clears throat> because it would appear that they had superpowers when in actuality it was probably metaphysical technology. In other words, a combination of spiritual and, um, and actual tech that you can combine together 
And we are now experimenting with those same exact technologies in laboratories all around the world. Okay. So today, we're, we last week we talked about some of the, um, you know, you heard me talk about the Enuma Elish, you heard me talk about the Atra Hasis many times, you, talk, you heard me say the Mahabharata and the Bhagavad Gita in some of these texts, um, you know, but let me, let me show you what I'm talking about here. <clears throat> First of all, if I'm talking about something, that means I actually have it, that means I've actually gone through and read it, right? I'm not one of these people that has all this information to talk off the top of the head without actually being able to back it up. <clears throat> so let's look at, okay, we have here, what's this? The Enuma Elish. This is the Enuma Elish. This is the, this is the seven tablets of creation right here. Now, obviously it's written originally in Sumerian cuneiform. And now it's been converted into many different languages and you can actually get this and you can actually read it for yourself. So you don't have to rely on he say, she say, you don't have to rely on a YouTube video. You can actually go and read it for yourself and get your own discernment out of it, right? <clears throat> I remember when I first came over across the Enuma Elish, I was studying cuneiform. You know, the ability to read Sumerian tablets. It's all in here. These are my books. <laughs> this is just one of four cuneiform books that I actually have. I'm actually going to do a video where I take some wet clay and a stylus, which is what they call the thing that you use to actually press into the clay. And I'm going to write some words into wet clay. Not today. I'll do that probably on the next one. And I'll show you how to write in cuneiform. Okay? <laughs> no, Zachariah Sitchin isn't the only person that knew about cuneiform. Okay? There's literally thousands of people that known about it. And uh, and many people before Zachariah Sitchin was even born had already translated the tablets. Zachariah Sitchin I've actually is a great man. This. He didn't translate any tablets. That's a big lie that was going Bummer. on to make him look like he was hoarding some kind of secret information. No, he wasn't hoarding any secret information. The guy took existing translations and wrote books oh, about Oh, here's part three. I was looking for part three. You could take anybody who Origins of religion. who they are. It doesn't matter what's wrong. And ground them. And Great. you're going to have a significant... Part three. Anyway, um, thanks for a billion listeners. And my name is Chista. I'm a Midas Touch producer. What's up? Billy Carson here. Forbidden Knowledge. Cover, I cover all the, the I cover all the pro democracy podcasts uh, like Glenn Kirshner's Justice Matters, Legal AF, Midas Touch, all their all their stuff. Tony Michaels, of course, and um, and, and uh, Mary Trump and and Michael Cohen. Oh my God, it's one of my favorite. I'm gonna make him a, I'm gonna make him, uh, I'm gonna do some backup vocals for his show. Anyway, let's go. Thank you for coming on board tonight uh, for this live podcast. The audio from this video will be extracted and uploaded to my podcast platform, as well as all of the other podcast networks that exist that we're a part of. iHeartRadio, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc., etc. All right? So peace. He's done more than Great I am. seeing everyone here tonight. Please don't forget Apple, to click that Spotify. thumbs up, that like button, okay? And if you can, if you can, please share the video, all right? Please share the video. I see a lot of great comments already. I see a lot of good questions already in here, which is pretty cool. 
Uh, let me see where I just saw, oh, saw one I definitely wanted to touch on real quick. Uh, okay. Jamil Hutchins says, would love for an in-depth video showing the connection between Yahweh and, and Lil. I'm glad you wrote that because that's actually not a question, it's a statement. And uh, we are working on an episode in my Ancient Connection series that goes deep into that connection, goes through it very, very thoroughly. So you'll probably be able to see the episode within a very short couple of weeks. It'll be out on Forbidden Knowledge TV very, very, very soon. Okay. All right. Thank you, 94 Legend. Remind everybody to hit that thumbs up. All right. All right. Great. Tonight's going to be a great talk. It'll be a great, great talk tonight. I'm going to be talking about, it's going to be about Thoth and Jesus, or Yeshua is his actual real name, right? So the words of Thoth in the Emerald Tablets, right? The words of Thoth in the Emerald Tablets, let me hide that comment for now. The words of Thoth in the Emerald Tablets compared to the words of Jesus, or known as, better known as, accurately known as Yeshua, in the modern day Bible, right? So we're going to compare the words of Thoth from ancient times to the words of not only Jesus, but even a couple of his disciples as well. And we're going to see if there's a correlation between what's been said, what's been written in the biblical account versus what was etched and written by this man himself, Thoth the Atlantean priest king. Because he actually authored his own tablet. He did not use a scribe for the animal tablets, but then that's plural. He wrote that one himself. So his words from 36,000 years ago versus uh, the biblical words, which were written between 180 to 900 AD, more modern times. As a matter of fact, when people try to tell me that I'm into this new age stuff, I go, no, actually, you're in the new age. I'm in the old age. Like the stuff that I research is like deep, deep antiquity, super ancient uh -oh, material. And Shit. most of the religions of the world cropped up and popped up only in the, uh, you know, from 1 AD on forward. So, of course, you have some of the, the ancient religions, which uh, I don't even call them religions like Taoism and Buddhism. They're not really per se religions. I'm um, talking about things that can literally turn you into a zealot, you know. Judaism, Christianity, Islam, things like that. Um, those are New Age religions, you know, um, Jehovah Witness, and, and you know, you know, all these things. They're just they're all, they're all fairly new. They just popped up on the scene. They didn't exist in ancient times. They're all fairly new. Actually, a lot of them are very, very recent accounts. If you talk about the Latter Day Saints and so forth, right? So. We're going to take a look into those work in the animal tablets, and we're going to see some of the correlation between ancient text and the modern Bible, and then you be the judge. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Okay. <laughs> That's what we're going to take a look at. So I'll be doing some reading from my own book today, The Compendium of the Animal Tablets. Still a bestseller. Still a bestseller on Amazon, and the book is also available on my website for Knowledge with the number four, knowledge Okay. Let's have a look here. Have you heard of life insurance with living benefits? 
This type of life insurance policy pays out tax-free cash while you are still alive. If you need long-term care, become disabled, and are unable to work, as well as giving Let's have a look here. All right. <clears throat> I'm in right now. Where am I at here? Chapter D. I'm in the ammo tablet, tablet number one. And Thoth said, But in a time yet unborn, I will rise again, mighty and potent, requiring an accounting of those left behind me. Another interesting statement made by Thoth many thousands of years before Jesus tells his disciples that he will rise again, and that's in Mark 9.31. And Thoth said, then beware, old man of Kim. He's talking to the people of Egypt, but before was Egypt, the real name of the land of Kim. If ye have falsely betrayed my teaching, for I shall cast ye down from your high estate into the darkness of the caves where hence ye came. Betray not my secrets to the men of the north, to the men, or to the men of the south. Least my curse fall upon you. Remember and heed my words, for surely I will return again and require, uh, require of thee that which ye guard. Hey, even from behind, beyond time, and from beyond death, I will return, rewarding or punishing, as ye have requited your trust. In the biblical text of John 14, 20, Jesus declares to his followers, I go away and come again unto you. Tell no one the Son of Man uh, has risen again. Both says, for surely I will come again, betray not my secrets. You see, these things are very, very similar. So in, in one way you have both saying, listen, I'm, I'm teaching you guys some serious knowledge, some serious information. And I want you guys to not only understand it, digest it, and practice it, but also utilize it and live it. In other words, this is a lifestyle that he was teaching the people, not just, you know, some, some information for them to hear in one ear after the other. He was trying to teach them a lifestyle, an ascension lifestyle. And what he's saying is, when I come back, because this guy literally leaves and comes back every so many hundreds, sometimes thousands of years, when I come back, if you guys fell off, I'm just going to cast you down. In other words, I'm going to destroy what you've built. I'm going to tear down your uh, your ideologies and rebuild you again from scratch. And then in the biblical account, you have Jesus virtually saying the same things. You know, I'm coming again, and when I come back, there's going to be an accounting. There's going to be accounting for what I, the stuff that I taught you. If you're living it, if you're living in that lifestyle, if you, have you obtained that lifestyle of ascension, that ascension knowledge lifestyle? And if you haven't, well, you're going to have an accounting to pay, you know? It's the same exact story. But the only thing is, the biblical account was written from 180 to 90 AD. So we know that the Emerald Tablets are super ancient. So what we're finding out here is that a lot of the stuff that comes in the New Testament is coming from that is written in the New Testament, I'm sorry, is coming from the Emerald Tablets, right? Let's take a look at it a little bit more. <clears throat> the Bible teaches us of a judgment day. Everyone, the still living and the resurrected dead, will face God's judgment. Even those who profess Christianity will find judgment through the deeds they have done in life. 
according to Matthew 7, 21 through 23, and 2 Corinthians 5, 10. Those who have lived righteous lives will be granted eternal life. Those who have lived evil lives will be condemned to eternal punishment. This record appears in several biblical passages, including Matthew 5, 29 through 30, 25, uh, 31, uh, chapter 30, 25, 31 through 46, and Mark 9, 43 through 48. Again, these statements are very reminiscent of the same things stated by Pope over 36,000 years ago. There's going to be an accounting. I'm going to hold you accountable for what you have learned and what you have done. Have you done good with the knowledge? Have you sustained that? Or have you uh, failed my trust? And if you have failed my trust, there's going to be an accounting. You see it replicated over and over again. It's the same exact information, the same exact statement. <clears throat> Did Jesus Christ, who is also referred to as Yeshua, teach reincarnation? Now, this is the big topic here <laughs> that a lot of Christians don't want to even dig into. The fact that Jesus, is, his, um, his teaching was primarily about reincarnation, uh, not about death and that's it, it's final, and then some kind of magical way you appear in the uh, in the afterlife. Actually, that's not even what they teach. So, me being a student of Christianity and the Bible and many other religions as well, this is the actual teaching that you taught uh, by in, in that faith. So, if you're living the Christian Christian lifestyle and you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then all your sins are going to be forgiven, and you have a chance to be, you know raptured up into this heavenly paradise. Now, there's a little bit of a glitch with that. In, one, in some accounts, you don't get raptured until the second coming of Christ. And so the people that have been, they call them the saints that have died in Christ, they're still in this. In March 9th, 2022, our Commander-in-Chief signed an executive order that aims to give Washington at least nearly full control over our money. Right, executive right. order one. They're still in this um, abyss, spiritual abyss, where they can't go up or down. They're kind of stuck in this halfway realm. And they've been there for now thousands of years, literally. And still waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for this magical second coming, of which they will be magically raptured up into, into heaven. You know, so I don't know. Mm -hmm. When you analyze some of the stuff that's written, you can you can clearly see when a man's hand and a man's consciousness is guiding some of the information and altering it and changing it to their own preference. Uh and the fact that there's evidence of this is William James Darby, who actually added the rap to the Bible as a footnote, I believe in 1835, and which much later became part of doctrine as pastors uh, realized that, hey, we can utilize this to gain more followers to the faith. Okay, we give them the fear factor, but if they really, really, really try hard and they really give their life to this thing, forcing all their money, then they have a chance to get raptured away and not face uh, everlasting damnation. See? It's all about control of people. 
that, that's what it's all about. It's all about the control of people. Thank you, Konifa, for the um, for the donation. It's all about the control of people. So let's go back in again. So did Jesus teach reincarnation? <clears throat> Additionally, reincarnation appears in the Old Testament. Read the last words of the Old Testament in the book of Malachi. Behold, I will send you, Elijah the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Malachi 4, 5 through 6. Here is God speaking through Malachi. He was a famous prophet, often quoted by great leaders throughout history, including U.S. presidents Donald Trump, and actually saying that Elijah is going to come again. Now we find Jesus making the same statement in the book of Matthew. Jesus says, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding that he is least in the kingdom of heaven and is greater than he. Matthew 11, 11. What they're saying is that these people that die are coming back. It's pretty interesting. Then he says, and if he will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. Matthew 11 through 14, meaning his coming was prophesied. Therefore, Jesus said, he came, he was beheaded. They did with him what they would, and so they will do the same to me. They predict their comings and their deaths and their returns again, which is pretty interesting. And it's the same thing that Thoth says uh, happens in the Animal Tablets. Scriptures concerning the coming again of Elijah flow so prominently throughout the Bible that anyone can accept the fact that they appear within the context of an already established canon. If reincarnation is so important, why is it not taught in the West? Obviously, this guy dies and he comes back again. And it's talked about over and over and over again. The fact that now he's not coming back again in the spirit, he's coming back in the flesh. There's even more places, even in Revelations, that it talks about getting a new name and a new body and being coming back again in a physical body. Not in a spiritual body. It's in the book of Revelation. In a, in a, in a physical body with a new name, you, you come back, you're born again. You get a brand new body and a brand new name. Let's see if I can find this other one that's pretty interesting here. Okay. You could take anybody who has chronic pain. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what's wrong. And ground they don't them, want us and you're to going to have a significant reduction. And you're going to stop the oxidation. So they, or they cut out um, reincarnation okay. from the Bible. Any mention of it. Because they wanted to. Because uh, apparently Peter was a Broad. And Thoth and said, Great were my people in the ancient days, great beyond the conception of the little people now around me. <clears throat> Only the wisdom of old, seeking far within the heart of infinity, knowledge that belonged to the earth's youth. Wise were we with the wisdom of the children of light who dwelt among us. Strong were we with the power drawn from the eternal fire. In Matthew 3.11, John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water. He shall baptize you with fire. It's the same thing. And then Thoth said, and all of these 
The greatest among the children of men was my father, taught me, keeper of the great temple, link between the child of light, taught me as a Sumerian god, Enki. Also, John 12, 36 records the words of Jesus, believe in the light that you may be the children of light. It's the same statement. It's the same exact statement, guys. It's the same exact statement. So it says, taught me the keeper of the great temple, link between the children of the light. And then John says, 1236, believe in the light that you may be the children of light. Same thing. This New Testament context is coming directly from the Amor Tablets. And Doug said, who dwelt within the temple of the races of men who inhabited the ten islands, mouthpiece after the three of the dweller of Unal, speaking to the kings with the voice that must be obeyed? Grew I there from a child into manhood, being taught by my father the elder mysteries, until the time grew within the fire of wisdom, until it burst into a consuming flame. Doug is literally talking about the fact that He's, and he's already gone into this mystery school. He's now part of this mystery school, these teachings by the ancient elders that are literally enlightening him and giving him the knowledge and the wisdom that he needs to last for a millennia and then teach true people that will then uh, take a fragment of that knowledge and it will last for a millennia. And what's interesting is when you look at the Gospel of the Holy Twelve, which is a little unknown uh, scripture, where it talks about Jesus going to Egypt and actually uh, basically attending the Egyptian history schools, what do you think he was learning? He was learning this. The founder of the mystery schools, though, he was learning directly from him. He was learning these same exact words and these same exact principles and ideologies in which he was regurgitating literally to the people of his era and of his time because I do believe that he was a man that really walked because I've been to the house that he lived in in Egypt. Okay, it's a real place. He was really there. He actually lived there. It's a shrine now. You can go there. Whoever's going to Egypt with me uh, in October, there's only six spots left for that trip. That trip sold out so fast. But whoever's going with me, we're going to the house where he actually lived when he disappeared out of the modern canonized Bible and was actually uh, living in Egypt, learning the Egyptian mysteries, before he went to Tibet to learn uh, Reiki and all the other types of stuff there, healing and energy, energy, energy healing and Qigong, and then learning, going down into India and learning the mystic arts. That's what you read when you when you start. That's what you find out when you start reading a lot of these texts. The truth, a lot of information that's missing, right? So has a rich tradition to prepare his life as the ultimate servant of all of Atlantis. His father thought me is identifiable with Enki, as well as the dweller. So the dweller and Enki and thought me are the same person who taught him the elder mysteries, the mysteries, the secret mysteries. The knowledge he acquired at this level of wisdom is so overwhelming that it's like an, uh, that it's like an all-consuming fire, much like many religions today speak of being consumed by the fire of God or the unquenchable fire of the Holy Spirit. This, these ideologies and these, these archetypes are all going back to the original teachings of folk from the Amitabas. Hey, Coach Brother, the Clever Investor here. Let me ask you something. Do you want to flip a house with me? Seriously, I'm going to give you a free deal-finding software. You find the deals. 
I flip the deals and we split profits 50 50. I'll give you the free training, the free software. Click. Teaching some folks from the Animal Tablets. And Thoth said, Not desired I, but the attainment of wisdom. Until on a great day, the command came from the dweller of the temple that I be brought before him. Few there were among the children of men who had looked upon the mighty face and lived. For not as the sons of men are the children of light when they are the incarnate of a physical body. Chosen was I from the sons of men, taught by the dweller so that his purposes might be fulfilled. And you look at Matthew 24, 30 states, and then shall appear the sign of the son of man in heaven. And then shall the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with the power and great glory. Thoth was about to come into his glory. Okay. You have to understand these sayings, son of man. What's the first thing that Thoth said when he descended on the land of Kem? In the beginning of the Emerald Tablets, he sent by his father Enki to the land of Kem because the great flood had happened and the water was recited and the great temples were coming up out of the mud. Civilization had been completely destroyed and his mission was to go there and help bring them back up to a high level of civilization. That was his mission according to the tablets. He descends in his ship, he opens the door, and what happens? They come to attack him with cudgels and spears, according to Thoth. And he, he holds up his staff and he sends out a ray of vibrations, a ray of vibration, stopping them still a stone in the mountain. He actually freezes them with some kind of stun gun work, right? It doesn't kill them, it just stops them from attacking. Which in my book, I talk about the fact that we have something called the active denial system in the military, it does the same exact thing. And he's there to teach them his wisdom and his knowledge and bring them back up to a higher level of civilization. And, you know, he's, he's there to fulfill his mission, which is to be the bringer of knowledge. And he does this, he, he does this again in the land of Chem. The land of Chem is where we get chemistry and alchemy. It all comes out of the land of Chem. That's where chemistry and alchemy originate from. And then from there, it's spread around the world, right? After the great blood. And um, it's really interesting that we're talking about the Son of Man. Once Thoth freezes these people with this stunning ray, and then he releases them, he goes over to them, he shows them his magic science, of course, his advanced technology. And they start to grovel at his feet because now they think he's really a god. And he tells them, no, 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 don't do that. I'm not a god. He says, what do you say? I'm the son of Atlantis. He refers to himself as a son of Atlantis and always, and again, refers to himself as the son of man. Those are his two references. He never says, I'm God. He never says, I'm here to rule over you. I'm your, I'm, I'm your creator. He doesn't say that. He says, I'm a son of Atlantis. And then further down, he says, I'm a son of man. He says, I'm the son of man. He never says, I'm the son of God. He never says, I, I, I'm, the, uh, I'm your creator of all, or none of that kind of stuff. You see? And so we find very interesting similarities between what, when Jesus is talking, and he's always referring to himself as the son of man. Pretty interesting. <clears throat> and Thoth said, 
Purposes yet unborn in the womb of time, long ages I dwelt in the temple, learning ever yet and more wisdom until I do approach the light emitted from the great fire. Taught me he the path to a venti, the underworld where the great king sits upon his throne of might. Deep I bowed in homage before the lords of life and the lords of death, receiving my gift, the key of life, as the honor. Free was I of the halls of Amenti, bound not by death of the circle of life. He had conquered death. Both was talking about the fact that he had literally been given the key of life, which is the which is the, which is the onk. But not just any old onk. He was given a jet pillar onk. And he's able to walk through the gates, the stargates. Also what's interesting here, uh, and there's depictions of this in Egypt, which when you go with me in October, you will see these with your own eyes. Pretty interesting. Some of the first original baptisms and things like that are all in the Egyptian hieroglyphs. And um, what's interesting, though, is the fact that um, he's talking about being free from death. He had now conquered death. He now has the capability to transfer his consciousness into new avatar bodies, in which, further in the tablets, he talks about the fact that he's got these halls of Amenti, where he has these rejuvenation chambers, and he would have his bodies in these chambers, and he would transfer from body to body, well, amongst man, but unlike a man, he says. In other words, he's not stealing people's bodies. He's, he's, um, he's walking amongst men, but unlike a man. In other words, he's, he's in a sleeve, he, and he understands the concept of being in that sleeve. Whereas we're in a sleeve, and we, don't, we, and we think the sleeve is part, it's, it's us. This is just the mode of transportation to a third dimension. It's not really us at all. <clears throat> Since the age of 21, I have been making a healthy income from home, even as much as seven figures a year from the comfort of my own home. And you can too. With my online business, I have the freedom to do what I believe in. Just pretty interesting stuff I was just going over. I was like, you know, people need to need to see this. And Doug said, people encouraged would dare the dark realm, dark realms. Let him be purified first and long fasting. Lie in the sarcophagus of stone in my chamber. He's talking about the sarcophagus, or really the stone box that's inside the king's chamber of the Great Pyramid. It's not for dead. It's not for a dead pharaoh. There's another purpose to that. Let it be purified by, by long fasting. Lie the sarcophagus of stone in my chamber. Then reveal I to him the great mysteries. So if you lay in that stone box inside of the uh, king's chamber of the great pyramid, and you take a mallet and you hit that, that granite coffer with the, on the outside with the mallet, you get this amazing two-to-one resonance throughout the entire chamber, which creates all of these almost psychedelic experiences. Uh, and you gain knowledge. So he says, then I revealed to him the great mysteries. Soon shall he follow to where I shall meet him, because you actually have an out-of-body experience. Even in the darkness of earth shall I meet him. I, Pope, Lord of Wisdom, meet him and hold him and dwell with him always. Jesus answered him, saying, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. 
It's the same exact scenario, same exact sentiment, just said slightly in a different way. <clears throat> Pretty interesting. There's so many of these in here that I can go on and on and on. And what we have to understand is that a lot of the verses where Jesus really, Yeshua, is speaking in the in the Bible is really fragments and fractals of what he learned in the Egyptian mystery schools that was taught by both the Atlantean priest king and what he wrote in his animal tablets. He was almost quoting this stuff, putting his own slight spin or turn on it, um, or generalizing it, but this is where he got the information from. This is why this book has done so well, Mark, because people, I mean, you can go on page after page after page with this kind of information, and you'll find that uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of correlation between this and the Bible. And you have to, again, ask yourself, which came first, the chicken or the egg? That's what you have to ask yourself, which came first, the chicken or the egg? And it's pretty deep because he goes into cybernetic frequencies. He goes into all these things. Uh, he goes into the mystery of 369 by Nikola Tesla before Nikola Tesla was born, right? Nikola Tesla most likely learned it from the Emperor Tablets as well himself. So it's just really interesting to me that we have, you know, these correlations. And then again, when you, when you, you know, as a person that's religious or that's believing in that faith, they just don't want to research these things. They don't want to look into it. If you take, if you tell them that, if you show them this, they're going to tell you that you're worshiping something Satan, even though you're not worshiping this. This is something that, you know, it's something that brings you knowledge. You go, oh, I, I got this because this guy did so much amazing work in the ancient past. I want to learn about his wisdom and his knowledge. And if you start looking at things like this and researching things like this, then you're a demon. You're a demon. I've been called demons and all kinds of stuff, right? Just the other day, I think it was two days ago, some crazy lady started commenting on all my posts and all my videos, all this crazy stuff about you're a demon, you're worshiping Satan, and blah, 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 blah. So what happens in religion, these people turn into zealots. If people who are into, um, you know, Christianity, for example, ever did the full research on Yeshua, and ever find and got all the apocryphal texts and found out where he was, what he did, what he studied, and what he was really teaching, I think it'd be a huge eye-opener, which is why I do these videos. People need to understand that there's a lot more to the story than what they've been told. You know, you know, just like for example, Isis, Osiris, and Horus are the you know the original trinity, right? That's the original trinity. Yeah. And Isis had a you know a baby, basically gave birth to horse uh, without having sex. So she gave birth to horse. She had a you know uh, you want to call it a in vitro fertilization, whatever you want to call it. But that's the original setting for the story. And then from there, after getting passed down from generation to generation, it turns into you know Jesus, Mary, you know, Mary, Mary being the virgin birth. Uh, giving birth to Jesus as a virgin birth, I'm sorry, and then uh, having a holy trinity, which is based on, uh, you know, you know, the Holy Ghost and and, and all these things, but it's, it, it's not that. That's a copy from ancient Egypt. It originated from ancient Egypt. 
But the problem that we have is people don't like to do the research. They don't like to study. That's why I made a book like this where you can go read verse by verse and you can break down tablet verses versus biblical verses. And you can kind of see where a lot of the information really truly originated from. And we have to come to a point where if you're so confident in your religion, well, then challenge it. Not challenge your creator, because that's kind of ignorant. But I'm saying challenge the information you've been taught. <laughs> Say, hey, you know, um, if there was only Adam and Eve, then how did Cain find a wife when he got kicked out of the garden? You know, questions like that. Um, obviously, there were people on the planet. Why would God tell him that when you go out there, you're going to find a wife? Now, put a mark on your head so people don't kill you. What people? You know, questions like that. When you dig into a lot of the ancient texts, especially the Sumerian texts, because it originates in Mesopotamia, and you're researching the Tigris River and Euphrates River, and you're researching the entire region, and you're looking at the Red Sea and, and all of this, and then I start to make some correlations between some Sumerian stories and what happened with Moses, and I'm like, this is pretty interesting. So what I did was I took the, uh, the text and I back converted it down several different languages to get more to the source language. And you find that the biblical version is actually a mistranslation. Welcome to the great financial apocalypse. We are witnessing the end times of our economic system and the great reset is well underway. The elites want to strip you out of everything you and you find that the biblical version is actually a mistranslation. Moses never crossed the Red Sea. Question mark. Who would have ever thought that could happen? They're still teaching this in Bibles and, and, and Bible study in, in churches today. Moses never crossed the Red Sea. He crossed the Sea of Reeds. Now it's a it's nearby the Red Sea. It's a much smaller sea and actually a little bit easier to cross. I'm not taking anything away from the story in terms of that, but I'm saying things like that are very very crucial. Now, what's interesting about the Sea of Reeds, I did the research on the geology, because you can do the research on the geology of the planet going back thousands of years. If you do a geological rewind, in that region, based on tectonic plate movement, there would have been a massive quake, which would have caused a massive tsunami around that same exact time, which would have, what, sucked all the water out of the sea. Have you ever seen a tsunami? Before it comes ashore, it sucks the water away from the shore, clean, clears it out. Just a few years ago, there was an image of one where an entire beach was dried out for hours before the water came crashing back. So you have a similar account where Moses, and I don't think it was even Moses, the person who actually took the people, and those people weren't slaves of the Pharaoh. There was never a slave of any Pharaohs. When you go to Egypt, where you're gonna learn this firsthand. There were no slaves. Slaves never existed in, in Egypt for, for building pyramids and all this kind of hard work and labor. These people that like, were slaves that existed, don't get me wrong, but these people that were claimed to be 
building all these pyramids, doing the work for the Pharaoh, like at that level, that didn't exist. When you'll go to each one, you'll find that they have all the medical records of the workers. They have, these workers had insurance. They had a rudimentary form of insurance. They had paychecks. And all their paycheck records are still there and were left behind. Left behind, paycheck records. People were getting paid to work out there on those temples and those pyramids. There were no slaves. What happened was, the story of Moses has been completely skewed and, and turned. So, the true Moses is Akhenaten, Pharaoh Akhenaten. Pharaoh Akhenaten, who was worshiping Amen-Ra, who was one of the rulers and still right, right now really is ruling this entire planet. Amen-Ra is still ruling until Pisces fully, fully ends. Okay, and Aquarius begins, that's in 2025. So Amun-Ra took over, also known in the Bible as Marduk, and also known in the Sumerian tablets as Marduk as well, uh, in Egypt known as Marduk Amun-Ra. He took over kingship in the age of Pisces, which are those little fish that you see Christians running around with on the back of their cars. They think it's representing the, the, the multitude of fish by Jesus, but it's not. The Pisces symbol represents the kingship handed down to Amun-Ra, if you go back to ancient times. That's what it, that's the original meaning of it. So they're riding around with one of the most evil, brutal rulers, symbols on the back of their cars and their vans and their minivans and everything else. They don't even, they don't even realize it. But anyway, so Amun-Ra uh, is the guy who, he's also known as Aten, the sun disc, because he mostly rules from his disc in the sky. That's why they call him Aten, the disc. And he would communicate with Akhenaten as a pharaoh. He would communicate directly to him. He had Akhenaten try to usher in monotheism, a one god religion. Because at that time, everybody, there were so many gods, you know, the pantheon of gods existed. And what uh, Aten was, he said he was a very jealous god. This is Amun Ra. There'll be no other god but me, which also made it into the Bible. Uh, and, uh, you know, he does the good and the evil. That's that's in the Bible as well. And so he started telling Pharaoh uh, Akhenaten, I want you to, 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 to start erasing everything about these other gods. Deface all the other gods. Those are his relatives, actually. So Akhenaten started having his military go around and start chiseling away all the faces of all the other gods. So Isis... You know, Horus, Osiris, Ramses, anybody, whoever was out there that was considered to be, you know, holy and God and then to be worshipped and to be thought of as a living God, he wanted them all to be fixed. You could take anybody who has chronic pain, doesn't matter who they are, doesn't matter what's wrong, and ground them, and you're going to have a significant reduction in pain. You're going to, to stop the oxidation or the inflamed portion. So this that is what really fucking happened in history. Check those. Listen up. Yeah. One God system that uh, Octane was trying to usher in, and he started ordering this to be done. Break the faces off the statues, break the noses off, break the ears off. All this stuff was done a long time ago, guys, a very, very long time ago. And proof of this, they just found another ancient statue that they dug up that had been buried for thousands of years. And guess what? The face was chiseled off and so was the nose and the ears and everything else. This is how old, this is how far back this goes. So uh, Akhenaten was, uh, got in trouble for this. Eventually the people turned on him, the military turned on him, the other politicians turned on him. 
And it's like, look, dude, you got to get the hell out of here. You 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 destroying everything. You destroying all three racing our history. You going around and racing everything. And so he had been building his following base. He become an influencer, all right, a religious influencer for people who wanted to believe in monotheism. And he acquired a huge following in that regard. And that following of him and these followers who want to go with this one God system, worshiping our men, were kicked out of the kingdom. Okay, they were forced out. They were forced out. Now, what did Akhenaten do? Well, he went to the Great Pyramid and he had the Ark of the Covenant removed. What do you mean? Well, let me tell you. That box that Thoth talks about laying in that will send. Yeah, um, come back if you want to hear more because stuff in it. Billy Carson, Forbidden Knowledge Podcast, The Origins of Religion, P3. Okay, we're listening to Forbidden Knowledge Podcast, The Origins of Religion, P3, Part 3. Uns. Uns, uh, we're going we're gonna to back up a little bit because, oh, shit, it's starting to rain again out there. So she gave birth to horse. She had a, you know, uh, you want to call it a in vitro fertilization, whatever you want to call it. But that's the original setting for the story. Well, yeah, he had now conquered death. He now has the capability to transfer his consciousness into new avatar bodies, in which further in the tablets, he talks about the fact that he's got these halls of a mentee where he has these rejuvenation chambers and he would have his bodies in these chambers, and he would transfer from body to body, walk amongst man, but unlike a man, he says. In other words, he's not stealing people's bodies. He's, he's, um, he's walking amongst men, but unlike a man. In other words, he's, he's in a sleeve, he, and he understands the concept of being in that sleeve. Whereas we're in a sleeve, and we, don't, we, and we think the sleeve is part, it's, it's us. This is just the mode of transportation through a third dimension. It's not really us at all. Just pretty interesting stuff I was just going over and I was like, you know, people need to need to see this. And Doug said, he who encouraged would dare the dark realm, dark realms, let him be purified first and long fasting. Lie in the sarcophagus of stone in my chamber. He's talking about the sarcophagus, or really the stone box is inside the king's chamber of the Great Pyramid. It's not for death. It's not for a dead pharaoh. There's another purpose to that. Let it be purified by, by long fasting, lying the sarcophagus of stone in my chamber. Then reveal I to him the great mysteries. So if you lay in that stone box inside of the um, king's chamber of the Great Pyramid, and you take a mallet and you hit that that granite copper with the on the outside with the mallet, you get this amazing two to one resonance throughout the entire chamber, which creates all of these almost psychedelic experiences, uh, and you gain knowledge. So he says, then I reveal to him the great mysteries. Soon shall he follow to where I shall meet him. Because you actually have an out of body experience. 
Even in the darkness of earth shall I meet him. I hope, Lord of wisdom, meet him and hold him and dwell with him always. Jesus answered him, saying, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It's the same exact scenario, same exact sentiment, just said slightly in a different way. <clears throat> Pretty interesting. There's so many of these in here that I can go on and on and on. And what we have to understand is that a lot of the verses where Jesus, really Yeshua, 